open in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for the chance to be together. I want to thank you that you are sovereign. And uh, in the midst of uh, transitions and changing that are both, uh, both exciting and, uh, and for some unnerving, uh, God, you're sovereign over every bit of it. And uh, God, I thank you that even, uh, even getting to work in the morning, getting to church in the morning, getting to uh, wherever we're going about, God, you're sovereign over every detail of it. And so, God, as we're talking today about sanctification, I pray that you would help us to keep it in our mind that uh, you are the author of sanctification. It is your Holy Spirit that works in us to make us holy. And so, Father, I pray that you would not only help us to have a clear understanding of how that works, but, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us to, uh, to, to allow us to be sanctified. God, I pray that we would be open to his sanctifying work. I pray that more than just... Uh, academic knowledge, I pray that we would be sanctified through and through. In Christ's name, amen. amen. So, sanctification is, uh, is an exciting thing, and unfortunately, you can't really understand sanctification without understanding it in the context of the full gambit of salvation. Do you all remember the, uh, the nice little diagram of, of salvation that, um, that Alan gave you where it kind of says, you know, Here's what the Holy Spirit does in conviction. Here's what happens at regeneration. You guys remember that? And we had handouts of those, and I forgot to get them. Um, do you mind going in to get those? And um, we'll come back to that in a second. But um, how many know where, where, does, where does sanctification primarily get discussed in Scripture? What is, what is the primary book that we would deal with sanctification on? Romans. Yeah, Romans has a nice long section on it. So today we're going to spend a majority of our time in Romans. Uh, but first I want to define sanctification. Uh, this is kind of my uh, Frankenstein definition here. Um, tried to put it in, in the best terms I knew how. That um, says the work of the Holy Spirit in every believer whereby he makes him righteous, him or her righteous, Set apart for God's glory. Uh, I want you to note that I said, first of all, it is, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. And note that I actually mentioned that it is in every believer. Um, I don't buy this crap that um, some people get sanctified and discipled and some people don't. Just not biblical. Um, there, is in the, uh, there is this thing called the free grace movement, which, hey, free grace, that's good. Grace is free. But the free grace movement has kind of twisted the idea of what salvation is. And they essentially say... You can love God and do whatever you want. Now, in a sense, we can say that's true, because if you love God, you're going to do whatever He wants when you do what you want. Uh, but then what the free grace movement has said is like, well, you're safe, so don't worry about it. You know, Where sin did abound, grace did abound more and more, so sin all the more, so God's grace is all the bigger. That's essentially what they say. Um, and so when someone comes along and says, what about discipleship? What about being like Christ? They say, well, you know, some people are just called to this higher level of discipleship, higher level of sanctification. It's just absolutely false. And we're going to see that today. So I, I, I incorporated in there this idea that it happens in every believer, and it's the process whereby he makes him righteous. How is this different than justification? First of all, how do we define justification? Does anybody remember or know? If not, it's okay, because we didn't really discuss that in detail in this class. To be declared righteous. Sanctification is where... It's, it's your debt has been paid. You're still an evil person, but God has put his stamp on you saying, you are righteous in my eyes. Okay, Sanctification is that process whereby which he actually makes you righteous. You've been declared righteous, 
your, um, your relationship to him is one where he looks at you as if you, you are righteous as far as your debt has been paid for your sin and so forth. But sanctification is where you actually become a righteous. You start doing righteous things. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Uh, we need to mention that when we talk about being holy, because sometimes we define it as uh, sanctification is the process whereby which the Holy Spirit makes you holy. Holy means set apart. Generally, it refers to being set apart for God's purposes, which involves righteousness. So just know that some people say, well, what about sanctification being holy? Um, I, mentioned, I mentioned it in a different way. I use the word set apart rather than holy because I want to I emphasize that thing. I think we misunderstand holy. Holy means set apart. It involves righteousness often, but in the bare facts, it just means set apart. Um, so I wanted to kind of transition that. Does that definition make sense? Does anybody disagree with it? I love asking that. You can disagree with me because I've been wrong in this class before. Um, yeah. So with justification, kind of your kind of conversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? Do we have all the handouts out? Have they all been passed around? Where Where are they at here? Okay. Here. I'm gonna. I want to have a look at this actually. While since that question has come up. Uh, you'll notice, uh, this is essentially talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in, in relation to the believer. And if it's really confusing, I'm sorry, um, because essentially this is like a, a, a broad outline that we can talk about. It's not meant to be like an, you know, a super deep thing on it, but it gives us pretty good detail. What happens at uh, pre-conversion, you have the Holy Spirit is convicting the non-believer. Um, some of you might remember before you were saved, the Holy Spirit was just kind of working on you when you're realizing some things about yourself that you don't like, and you're essentially, you are seeing yourself in relation to God's perfection, is what's happening. You might not understand that in detail, you might just realize, hey, I just feel like crap. Um, but um, essentially, that's what's happening. Uh, and then what happens is the Holy Spirit actually regenerates you. We talked about Ephesians uh, 1 and 2. Sorry, Ephesians 2 talks about how you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're just dead, you sin all the time, you don't know any better, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit essentially makes you alive and you recognize all these things and right at once you repent, you accept, you have faith in Christ, you get baptized by the Spirit, sealed and all that. We'll talk about what those words mean during our soteriology class. But um, that's what happens at justification. Justification is where uh, you put your saving faith in Christ and He declares you righteous. So it's, it's kind of like you owed a debt um, that that was more than you can pay and he essentially he had the money in an account so to speak and just credited it to you um, so justification it's, it's a legal term uh, it can actually be considered to be a financial term um, it, I don't want to be too crude with it but it's almost as if like you know, there was a debit and credit that happened like you he had the, the means to pay the debt and he just credited it to your account um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's this. We are going to probably keep coming back to this form more and more because, plus, it looks so pretty. Um, yeah, now, I also I added on here Millard Erickson's definition of sanctification because uh, Millard Erickson's my homeboy, uh, and I don't know him at all, but um, one of my favorite professors would be talking about da-da-da, and he would be like, Millard, da-da-da. I'm like, you, you refer to him in the first name, man. You know him. So I can't say that. I've never met him. But anyway, Millard Erickson uh, has a wonderful systematic theology that I really recommend. Uh, it's just kind of a, a reference book. But uh, it, he actually mentions he's the continued transformation of moral and spiritual character so that the life of the believer actually comes to mirror the standing which he or she already has in God's sight. 
I like that definition because it, it brings up, first of all, that you are actually becoming what you already are in God's sight. And that's really cool. And it also emphasizes the morality aspect of it, that you're transformed spiritually and, and morally, so you're actually different. Uh, and I like that. So um, anyway, that's Erickson's. Any questions on that before we move to the next slide? I'm sorry that we don't have the PowerPoint, by the way. I tried to get that working again this week, and it just, I think Alan put a Macintosh curse on it so that it doesn't work with PCs. Um, so anyway, uh, let's look at a couple. I'd like to look at a few verses. I don't want to look at all of these. These are mostly here for your reference. But could I get somebody to look up Romans 15:16? Anybody volunteering for me? You got Romans 15:16, and then could I get 1 Corinthians 6:11? All right, and um, uh, let's get Ephesians 4:30, and then we won't do the rest of them. Oh, Pam, I think that's all your hand first. I'm sorry. We'll get you on the next one. Uh, um, you know what? If you'll do Romans eight twenty-eight through thirty, because we're gonna we're gonna skip ahead to that. You will, I think. No, Romans six three is what I'm gonna have you do here in just a second. Okay. Uh, could my Romans fifteen sixteen? Could we hear that? Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Talking about them becoming a, an acceptable offering, first of all, which involves them being, you know, made righteous. And then it just mentions sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm just kind of essentially giving the evidence that this is the Holy Spirit's work. First uh, Corinthians 6.11, who had that again? I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. There was a time when some of, some of you were just like that. But now your sins have been washed away and you've been set apart for God. You've been made right with God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God has done for you. The Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit have done for you. Uh, Ephesians 4.30 and then we're going to move to the next slide. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed in the day of redemption. With whom you were sealed. You know what? That jumps ahead. I didn't mean to... I think I added that one in there. I don't remember other than it mentions... Uh, sealed, which is something that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But the fact that when you're justified, you are also sealed, which means you're going to make it to the end. Um, what can I say? I'm a Calvinist. Um, you're going to make it to the end, and that's part of being sealed, and it's biblical. So um, let's talk about, could I, um, could I have you read Romans 6, 3 now? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Baptized into his death. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that the sanctification begins at the moment that um, here we have, you know, on the, on the diagram here, we have regeneration, repentance, faith, spirit baptism, sealing, all this. Uh, and that, that verse actually talks about spirit baptism there, uh, Romans 6.3. But what's happening there is it's all of this is immediately beginning here. Uh, justification, regeneration, all these things all happen at once. But at that moment is where the sanctification process begins. Um, in Greek, we have this thing called the aorist tense, and then we have the imperfect tense. And the aorist tense is something that might end in ed. I, w- I might say, I stopped, I jumped, I cried. These things that end in ed, it has this idea that, okay, it's, it's over and done. It happened at a point in time, and it's finished. And it, didn't, it wasn't an ongoing thing. 
Um, now, if we talk about something that's ongoing, I might say, I have been, or I'm sorry, I was jumping. Or, um, and that might mean that I still am jumping. Um, I uh, was stopping, which is might say what I might say to the police officer if I didn't, you know, make it all the way through the stop sign. Um, and these kind of things. I mean, the idea that it's an ongoing thing. You could say of sanctification that, um, whereas justification, that's an, uh, you would maybe use the aorist tense on that. You were justified. Um, you could say you were being sanctified and you still are. Um, because as long as you're alive, you're still in that process of sanctification. And so I uh, wanted to mention that in the timing. Uh, here's another thing. Sanctification continues until death or the rapture and is consummated with glorification. Could I have somebody read Romans 8.30? And as somebody's looking up, who, who am I volunteering to do that specific person? Yeah, Ruth. Uh, can somebody define then glorification for me as we're getting to that passage? What is glorification? Yeah. Yes, you're 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 on it. Um, let's talk a little bit a little bit about because you're saying it. You are. Um, we we kind of have this issue with um, with justification. You're, the debt of sin for all your sin has been paid for. With sanctification, you are not sinning. You're in the process of learning not to sin, and not just not to sin, but to bear fruit. And at the end of that, now you realize though the entire time you're in your human body, the human body still wants to sin. Um, I'm evil. That's just the way it goes. Um, I'm bad, and in, in the chances, if I put myself in an opportunity to sin, I'm probably going to do it because I'm evil. You know. And then this is Paul's uh, Paul's contention here. He says, in the sport, it's, the spirit is at war with the flesh. And he says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I do, I don't want to do. And he says, wretched man that I am. I love that that's in Romans where Paul says, wretched man that I am. He's like, I'm horrible. And then he asked the question, who will set me free from this body of death? Now let's read Romans 8.30 where it talks about that a little bit. Okay, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Mm-hmm. Glorification is that whole thing where, where your, your body is made new, made new. All of the effects of sin... Thanks, honey. All the effects of sin have been removed. Uh, just and, and it's in the same manner that Jesus was glorified. So that body that he had, that had no sickness, that um, was physical, because he ate, right? After the resurrection, Jesus was able to eat. But he was also able to walk through walls and ascend into heaven. And so I use that for the argument that once we're glorified, we're going to be able to fly. I think it may be a stretch, but I think it's cool. Um, but... Um, this whole, this whole idea here in what, Roman, or what, um, what Ruth was reading in Romans is that if you were called, the Holy, first of all, if you were predestined and then the Holy Spirit called you, you were justified. And if you were justified, you were, you were being sanctified. And if you were being sanctified, you, it, was, it is going to end in being glorified. And uh, this is an important thing that it is that your sanctification process will end in glorification. You don't have to worry about like, oh, am I really going to make it? What if I sin a lot? I, um, I was at this Christian conference one time and this guy that was kind of elevated as a Christian leader in this kind of group of churches was 
uh, and everybody thought he was just the most holy guy, you know, and he made this comment. He's like, oh, I hope I make it. And I'm like, man, if you can't make it, we're in big trouble. And so then, then the, uh, I get sometimes theologically defiant. And so I thought, well, you know, if you're only hoping and it has something to do with how good you are, then you and me are probably not going to make it. So I didn't actually tell him that because I didn't want to start any wars there. Maybe I should have. Um, anyway, I was actually like 12 anyway, so what are you going to do? Um, so anyway, let's read on. So we're talking about this timing issue, that it begins at justification, it continues to glorification, which means your entire life, after your initial, quote-unquote, conversion experience, your entire life is about sanctification. Uh, wanna, before we get too far in it, why is sanctification necessary? Why do we have to think about, like, well, why does it matter? I mean, if you're justified, if your sin debt is paid, then why does it matter? I mean, I'm not going to hell, so, hey. Yes. Yes. There's, and why does he desire that? Because he loves us, yeah. And it's good for us to be like that. That, that is all, all of these playing into it. Ruth, is your hand kind of half up there? Yeah, that, and you, you're bringing that thing. The whole point is God's glory. Yeah. And then going back to the original, why did God even create us to have fellowship with us? So He wants us. He wants to conform us to the likeness of His Son. He loves us and He wants fellowship with us. Yep, it's true. He um, uh, the what is it? I forget who the theologian was put together, but man's chief end is to glorify God as we live in a relationship with Him. And that's just good news. And so, and we talk about just from Genesis how sin is what keeps us from being able to have that relationship with Him. So the debt of sin is paid, but why would you want to continue in that thing that kept you from Him? And that sanctification process is that we're, I mean, we're, we grow in that relationship and it's possible not to sin. And it's just good stuff. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the results of sanctification. Any questions to this point? Is it making sense so far? Cool. Uh, results of sanctification. Uh, could someone read Romans 6, 4 through 7, and then jump ahead to 11 as well? I hate to jump around, but we're going to have to because Romans is too big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once you get there, you can jump ahead to 11. By the way, Romans 6, one of my favorites. I preached on this a few months ago or something. Maybe it was a year ago. It all runs together. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self is crucified with him in order that our bodies sin might be done away with Yes. It talks about how when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, now this is talking specifically about baptism in the Holy Spirit, which you can see is right here on the little chart. Um, I, I, by the way, sometimes I hesitate to, to refer to this because it's, I don't want to simplify it too much. I don't want to make it so cold, but it just helps to understand it with clarity. 
you know. Um, baptized by the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized, you are, it's, it's, it is as if you were hanging on the cross with Christ. When you're baptized in the Spirit, by the way, we're not talking about the water baptism. It's kind of an outward representation, among other things. Um, it is as if you were hanging on the cross with Christ. It was as if you, because he was there doing it for you in your place, it was as if you were hanging there. You died to sin. Um, now, this refers a little bit more to the immediate thing that's happening in justification, but it, it plays in with sanctification. That's why I wanted to bring it up. You died to sin, so you no longer are a slave to it. You don't have to sin. Um, so this is, if we're talking about the immediate results of sanctification, you could maybe lump this under justification or baptism in the Holy Spirit, whatever, it plays in with sanctification because immediately you were dead to sin and you don't have to sin anymore. Um, is that making sense? That's really important that you, you're no longer a slave to it because until that point, that's all you could do. It didn't matter whether you were handing food uh, to a starving person or whether or not you were... Um, beating someone to death, you were sinning because that's all you could do. And some people say, wait a minute, what about uh, non-believers that do nice things? Well, we're, we, we are created in God's image and naturally we are built to do good things, but because we are fallen and sinful, nothing we do pleases God because we do it ultimately out of some kind of a selfish motive. Even if it would seem that it's not, it traces back to something that we, we are doing that is opposite to God's will. Okay? Um, uh, some people have a hard time swallowing that, but, but even the nicest thing done by a non-believer, by the way, don't tell a non-believer, <laughs> you're evil and you're doing something evil right now even though you're giving food to a starving person. Don't, don't bring that up. But ultimately, because we don't want to discourage them from doing something nice, but it doesn't mean that what they're doing is bringing glory directly to God. Um, and that's an issue. So um, anyway, uh, when you are justified, when you begin that sanctification process, you're dead to sin, you immediately... It is possible for you to glorify God where before it wasn't. It doesn't mean uh, that the um, that the sin that had you under held captive for so long can't tempt you, uh, but it means that you don't have to succumb to it. Does that make sense? Um, so let's uh, let's read on. Uh, dead to the law, Romans seven four through five. Could someone take that one. Who do I? Go for it. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For uh, when we were controlled by a sinful nature, the sinful passions around, aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. Hmm. Talking about being dead to the law and no longer in it, so that you bear fruit for God instead. Uh, could we read uh, Romans, since you're already there, do you mind reading Romans 7, verse 6? But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Mm-hmm. Uh, some translations actually say there, alive in the Spirit. Um, and so this is what I wanted to bring up, this idea that just as you have once been dead to sin, now you're alive in the Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit, I don't know if I've used this illustration in here. I use it a lot. I'm sorry if you've heard it again. But um, John Morrison, my favorite professor, he talks about sanctification in this way. He says, it is as if when you are justified, you get the Holy Spirit, right? He's there. He says, it is as if you have a giant piece of New York-style pizza as long as your arm. 
Um, New York style pizza is usually very good, and it's usually those really big slices. People don't say, I'm going to go get a pizza. They say, I'm going to get a slice, because it's huge, right? Imagine at, sanctification, at, at salvation, at justification, whatever, you have the Holy Spirit. It's like you've got the piece of, it's not to make the Holy Spirit like a piece of pizza, it's just a, let's say that it's got, you know, like the works on it, it's got a lot of nutrients, so we're trying to make this piece of pizza as healthy as possible. You have the piece of pizza, but um, you can't go up to the person and be like, so you're not hungry anymore, right? Well, the person hasn't eaten it yet. You know, you can't say, oh, so you were malnourished, but um, all those peppers and onions, now nah, you're really nourished. Well, you haven't eaten it yet, so it hasn't had its full effect on you. It is going to take some time to eat a piece of pizza as long as your arm. Um, and so this thing that we bring up is in the process of sanctification, the Holy Spirit is there. You have everything you need not to ever sin again and to bear fruit as a believer. But it takes time to realize that. It takes time to uh, let the Holy Spirit have his work in you. Just like it takes time to eat a big piece of pizza as long as your arm and let its nutrients have its effect on your system. Or in my case, the MSG ripping my stomach to pieces. Yeah? That was my question. How long is justification? So while you're eating that pizza, is that a sanctification? I'm talking about sanctification is the pizza analogy. Oh. Okay. So justification is... Bang. Justification, it's, 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 it's boom. It is... It is one time, immediate, boom, your sin debt is paid for every sin from past, present, and future covered. And there's a lot of people that, you know, they know that exact moment, and there's people that don't. How do you explain that? It's not, I don't have, I'm not the one paying the debt, so I don't need to know the moment that it happens. Um, yeah, oh, I, I think, um, first of all, when we consider the fact that, um, that this whole... God predestining us, calling us, drawing us, and the fact that that takes some time, that, that His Holy Spirit, um, in this process of, of convicting us and things like that, um, I, um, I would say that there is more that happens, and it's clear, but I would say even, even for us, we might not necessarily recognize in a moment we're like, oh, now I get it all. Um, normally, though, it, it comes in a moment we have a prayer where we're like, recognizing you as Lord and I'm accepting your gift of salvation however you pray that um, that doesn't happen for a period of time it happens in a moment but I, I, I would argue that sometimes maybe people are um, they, they pray they say what needs to be said but then they don't necessarily use all these little detailed words in this little uh, which I by the way have a little bit of an issue where we're like you have to say these exact magic formula words um, it's magic. It's <clears throat> a problem. Um, but um, I think sometimes people will say, you know what, I want to make sure that I'm theologically right on my prayer, so I'm going to pray again. And I would say, you know, you probably said the right things, but hey, we're going to cover it. So that's, that's where I say it happens in a moment. It, you should know that it happens in a moment, but there are little things here and there where people are like, ah, maybe you can't pinpoint exactly when. Or maybe you're like, I just don't know the date. I couldn't tell you the date that I accepted Christ. I was in kindergarten. I didn't pay attention to calendars, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah.
Which is good news. Yeah. This all, I think when we talk about salvation, we talk about the fact that, um, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but we have this thing, you have to recognize that we're not glorified yet. And so, first of all, that means you shouldn't get cocky about it. And you should recognize that you still have that body of sin that wants to sin. And so you put, shouldn't put it in circumstances where it has the chance. This is what I'm saying, is um, we recognize the fact that the Holy Spirit's working on us and we're growing and not sinning as much. But just knowing that the body of sin is still there, you just don't give it chance to sin. Like, don't put it into circumstances. Because I, ah, man, this is what, man, we see great men of God fall. Okay? They might be holy, they might be doing good stuff, they might be in the sanctification process, but if you forget that your body of sin is still your body of sin, and you Put it into circumstances where it could sin, you're gonna fall. Um, you just that's the best uh, best thing I think I've ever heard is a um, well not the best thing I've ever heard, but in relation to this seminary professor, uh, he's got a large class of students and he's surveying. He's like, how many of you guys think you would cheat on your wives? And like 80% of them, he's like, how many know no never? And like 80% of them raise their hands, never. And he's like, how many of you guys think, like, you're a little bit worried about it, you want to be cautious, but you're not really thinking it could happen. And then, like, a whole bunch, you know, hands up. And he's like, how many of you guys are worried you might do it today? Two guys. He's like, you know what, you two guys, not worried about you. The rest of you, we have a problem. Uh, because, he says, you have to realize that you're just evil enough to do it. Um, and I think that's really important. You had... Uh, mm-hmm. Ah, well said, Johnny Mac. He's a pretty smart guy. He does put it very well. He does put it very well. Um, anyway, so I have on here, alive does not imply fully grown yet. You're alive in the spirit. It doesn't mean that you're fully mature. But alive does imply the potential for maturity. And especially when we consider Romans 8.30, it means not only potential, but it is going to happen. Um, so keeping that in mind. Any thoughts or questions at this point? Bless people in the class. The class is a lot quieter. I'm, I feel like, man, I whatever I want up here. Um, all right, so we talked about the immediate results of sanctification. Let's talk about continual results. Uh, Romans 7, we've already kind of touched on this. Romans 7, 15 through 25. Could I get somebody to volunteer to read that? Romans 7. Somebody maybe hasn't read yet? All right, send me Romans 7, uh, 15 through 25. And, and for the uh, next one, Romans 8, 5 through 10. Okay. And uh, Romans 8, 18 through 23. Anybody want to take that? All right. All right, uh, Sammy, can you uh, do the Romans 7, 15 through 25 for us? I agree that the law is good. 
as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin I know that nothing good is in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. <sighs> what a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the simple nature of a slave to the law of sin. Hmm. Can you see how Paul is communicating this idea that like, my flesh and my spirit want to do different things? Um, and it, it's, there is a war going on. So we have to keep in mind, part, one of the results of sanctification is that there is this contention now going on. It, before, it was easy because you just sin all the time and it's no problem. Um, there's no contention, there's no awkwardness about it. But when you start the process of sanctification, it starts getting a little tricky that there is, man, you find yourself, man, I want to please God, but man, I really want to do dot, dot, dot. Um, that's an issue. Um, so I wanted to keep that in mind. That it's something to remember in this process of sanctification that it becomes a little messy. It's a good word. Uh, so how about Romans 8, 5 through 10? Sorry for these longer passages, but we just kind of have to because otherwise you take Romans out of context. Okay. Go for it. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Something very important about process of sanctification is your mind is actually changed. Like, you have this in you where your mind is set on the things of the spirit and you want to glorify God. And so when somebody comes to me and asks me this question, like, I don't know if I'm saved, I'm really dealing with doubt, um, I start taking them back to like, okay, do you really have a desire to please God with your life. Like, you want to glorify Him. Is that kind of what you want to do? And if so, then we're, we're probably okay. 
And so then I normally send them to 1 John, which talks about fellowship with God. And then you read through that and you start thinking, you know, wow, you know, I, I, yeah, I want to do this. Or some people are like, you know what? Nope, I'm in trouble. Um, or actually, normally they probably wouldn't notice that. They'd be like, oh. But I, I encourage people to go back to, if you have a desire to please God at all, if you're modest on the things of the Spirit, then you, you've got something happening there. It might not be perfect yet. But um, this also goes back to why we have the war waging in our body, because our mind is now set on the things of the Spirit. So, making sense? It's one of the results. Okay, uh, Romans 8, 18 through 23. Go for it. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits an eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown in inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. On that last piece where it says we wait eagerly for uh, our adoption as, as sons, the redemption of our bodies. It's talking about this eager wait for glorification. Mm-hmm. This idea, which goes back a little bit to this, you know, War with the spirit and the flesh that's going on. But in that process of sanctification, you, you develop this ache for what God has intended for you to be. Um, just like it says that the, um, the earth groans for the coming of glory. Uh, so you're, kind of, you're, you're waiting for it, man. You want heaven. You want that time where God is glorified and you're, you're aching for it. So, Let's go on to our next slide. Um, the eventual results of sanctification. Uh, Romans 8, 28 through 30. Uh, we've already talked about this, so I'm just going to touch on it, that it talks about that eventually you're going to be glorified. Um, not only is your mind set on the things of the Spirit, not only is uh, your flesh fighting the Spirit um, and your Spirit's awaiting glory, but that await is going to be culminated in eventual glorification. And that's good news. So let's talk about some of the aspects of things that actually happen in you. Um, could I uh, have somebody look up James 1.27? I know we're looking up a lot of verses. I like doing that because I like being biblically. Yeah. Um, and 1 John 5.18? Someone? All right. Um, I actually, if you want to take then Galatians 5.16-21, Sam. All right. Um, Negatively, and that doesn't mean in a bad way, but one of the things that it does that is kind of a uh, negative thing that happens is that um, that sin is taken away. This is part of sanctification is that you develop to where you just don't sin as much or eventually not at all once glorification happens. So um, could you read James 1.27? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Avoiding sin. Alright, how about first John five eighteen? We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who 
Um, we need to deal with this thing where it says, we know that those who have been born of God do not sin. Um, okay, maybe you already re- realize this. Does that mean that you never ever sin? No. Well, what, what does it mean here and how do we translate that? How do we understand this without... Well, because I still have the desire. I still want to sin. Or maybe on a spiritual level, we want to please God. And so in that sense, we don't want to sin. But our flesh still wants to sin. I still want to sin, you know. Oh, no. Well, I mean, he sees it. He really recognizes it there. Um, now, in a, in, as far as a justified sense, that, that sin is paid for. We're getting in somewhere. How, how do we reconcile this verse? It says that if we are following God, we don't sin. I sin. You sin. Are we all going to hell? We need to get back. We need to get back to this idea. Of, remember, we talked about the aorist tense in Greek and the imperfect tense. Imperfect tense has this idea of, of continuing. At certain times, a pre, there's a like a present imperfect as well. That's this idea of like you don't. It is essentially saying don't you don't keep on sinning. That doesn't mean that you never sin. That's not an aorist tense word. There, it's not a act of completion, but this is how you don't keep on sinning. Um, there are those of us who sin, and we sin for a little while, and you, you get guilty, and Scripture talks about how when the Lord loves, He chastises. Like you, you get disciplined when you're screwing up. You get convicted. It's not fun. But the ability to continue in sin without um, something happening is, uh, is indicative of not being justified. You're right. That's exactly what we're talking about. If you can continue in sin, doing the very thing that separates you from God, um, that's one thing to sin, even to sin a few times, to be able to just keep doing doing it over and over again without having, without coming to just this horrible sense of guilt where you confess or getting caught and then confessing, which I'll, I'll tell you happens to believers sometimes. God allows you to just get caught. Um, and it's good. I, uh, I've, I've seen it happen, and it's, it's painful, but it's good. It's like, uh, if, if I were of that free grace mindset, uh, I would have my get out of hell free Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, and it gets very extreme. There are those who would say, if at any point you said anything that resembled talking to God, and I mean, like crying out to God at all, not necessarily even recognizing Him as Lord or anything like that, that uh, you could live your whole life in, in horrible wickedness and they would say, well, you're still going to heaven, you're all right. Um, I think you have to just throw out Romans 8. You have to ignore James. You have to ignore First John. You have to ignore just about the entire Old and New Testament. Um so that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. That, by the way, kind of the opposing view to free grace movement is the Lordship Salvation Movement, uh, uh, which is uh, kind of spearheaded by John MacArthur. And it's the idea that, uh, it, you know, talks about, you know, if you're going to accept Christ, and he actually part of it says you have to confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Uh, lordship in, implies that he is in control. He is your master. Um, it's an important thing. Um, and then when we take into account all these things about uh, sanctification and, and sinning less, and especially uh, 1 John 5.18, I don't see how we can how we can change Scripture in any way to understand it anything else than you have to be being sanctified. 
It's just part of it. Um, and, and especially when we add to it the fact that on, you know, as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, when he, when he talks to his disciples, he says, he doesn't say, go and get people to say the sinner's prayer so they don't go to hell. He says, go and make disciples. That's make people to follow me, make people like me. That's important. Um, Galatians 5, 16 through 21, we didn't read that yet, did we? That was you. Go ahead, Sam. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Mm-hmm. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sinful, or I'm sorry, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, disagreement, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not be given to the kingdom of God. An interesting thing to say about the free grace movement. You do these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean if you have done them or if you screw up sometimes and get jealous or get angry, hatred, these kind of things. It means that continuing in those things you just can't do. Um, so anyway, as far as the negative aspects of sanctification is that the uh, that sin is taken away. You don't sin as much. Eventually, not anymore at all. But it's the removal of sin from your life in obedience to God. Positively, we have... Oh, go ahead. But not during this life. Well, yes, during this life. You don't sin at all. I mean, like... During this life, you don't sin at all. But, or, I'm sorry, you don't not sin at all. You still sin. Here we go. We'll say it simplistically. Sorry about that. Um... Yeah, um, yeah, but there is this process where, like we say, you're going, you're sinning less, you're growing in Him. But as far as the ultimate, where you never ever sin again, it doesn't happen until glorification. Now, though, the potential, because you have the Holy Spirit, you have the potential to not ever sin again. It, it should be said, um, but but just knowing the reality that the body of sin is still there, then we just know that we're going to screw up sometimes. The extremely minute. Like okay, uh, who was so righteous didn't have to die. Um, even for him, he was still born in sin and shaped in iniquity. I mean, we're stuck with sin. Even if we live perfectly, we are poor parents cursed by virtue of their sin. So mm-hmm. the absolute perfection can't be bestowed upon any of us, even a man like Enoch who didn't have to die because he was so, you know, just got taken to heaven. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. The same thing is, whether it's, it's, it's uh, oh gosh, intrinsic, extrinsic, anyhow, whether we do it or not, it's our curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still going to sin. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I think that's just the reality of it. Not an excuse, because we have the potential not to sin. When you've got the Holy Spirit, it's essentially really just a matter of allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in you. He is the one who obeys God through you. 
And it's just, any time, really, the reality is, is when we come to an opportunity to sin, when we come to a place of temptation, we have the choice to obey our sinful nature or obey the Spirit. And really, you can't not sin. He has to not sin for you. Um, and that potential is there. We could, it, I want to emphasize that it's possible to not sin ever again, but we just know it won't happen. Um, only because of him is it possible. So let's, uh, let's read just a couple more of these verses. And, and I want to put this note here at the bottom. It says, note, sanctification is not primarily the absence of sin, but the presence of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, that more than just, in addition to just not sinning, you bear fruit. Uh, this is where we, we step outside of legalism a little bit. We could start really hammering on this, hey, don't sin thing, which is really important. Um, but if, if all we do is just draw these lines where we don't sin, well, when we're, we're forgetting that like we're, we're supposed to also be showing grace. We're supposed to also be extending above and beyond. We're supposed to not just give 10%. We are supposed to give abundantly. We are supposed, you know, there is this, there is more than just not sinning involved in living the Christian life. In fact, you could say that while they're both very important, you don't want to necessarily, uh, you know, pit the one against the other. The, the fruit is what is absolutely necessary. Um, so if we could have somebody read Galatians 5, 22 through 26. We're almost done here. Hopefully they're not waiting outside. And then while somebody's looking for Galatians 5, 22 through 26, how about Ephesians 5, 7 through 10? You see? Uh, can you do 5, 22 through 26, Galatians? Yeah. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus it's cool. Talking about fruit of the Spirit being all these things, and those things are more than just not saying gentleness and patience. Uh, long-suffering, these are things that are more than just not sinning there. Stretching at the next step. Really important. Ephesians 5, 7 through 10. Did anybody have that? Last one. Uh, you know, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah. I'm going to start verse 6 where it talks about the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Mm-hmm. Verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the true light consists of in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to open what is pleasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Any, any thoughts on sanctification? So we're kind of closing out. We've talked about the fact that um, it begins immediately at justification. It is that process whereby which you are actually made holy, where you start living righteous because you're obeying the Holy Spirit that is in you. We've talked about how this involves uh, a change in the direction of your mind. It also involves your flesh being at war with the Spirit and that being an uncomfortable thing. It involves your groaning for glory and eventually you will be glorified. That's the consummation of all this. And we talked about how not only is it the absence of sin, but it is the presence of fruit uh, that is occurring. So, any thoughts, questions at all? That makes sense? Sanctification sound like a good deal to you? I like it.
um, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is absolutely right. And you know, I mean, I should have mentioned this before, but in my interest to emphasize the Spirit's work, discipleship is like the human side of dealing with sanctification. Uh, we, uh, the Holy Spirit's the one who sanctifies, but we have, our, our, we have a responsibility to say things and do things and keep brothers and sisters in Christ accountable. And while I'm at it, I'm going to plug life groups because that's what life groups do is you will put yourself, I can listen to Jim every Sunday, I could come in here and listen to Alan teach, and I could learn all the things I needed to learn, I could know all the right things, but I have seen the most biblically knowledgeable people be the people who are horrid in the way that they treat each other, who don't apply grace in their lives, who, who are jealous and gossip, and who, shoot, who are adulterers, and it just goes on and on. There has to be discipleship and accountability as the Holy Spirit is working in sanctification. So I want to really encourage you, if you're not in a life group, sign up for one because the primary thing the life groups are doing, my big thing, is not only is someone modeling Christ for you, but there is a group of people that are keeping you accountable and essentially getting in your business um, as you welcome them to do so, so that to make sure that you actually are doing the right things to become like Christ. So anyway, let's close in prayer. Can I get somebody to close us in prayer? I've been talking a lot today. Yeah, go for it, Sam. Dear Lord Jesus, your word is deep, and we, with our finite minds, will never grasp everything there is, but because it's alive, we continue to drink from it and to therefore grow. And Romans, by some, is considered a deep and impenetrable book, but uh, it's, it's understandable, otherwise, you don't write stuff you don't want us to learn from. So thank you for what we are continuing to either learn afresh and anew or else uh, for the first time. And we thank you, Lord, that we are your children, that we are already justified, that we are in a sanctification process, that one day we will be glorified. We will then be free from the presence of sin. But Lord, in the meantime, we want to grow ever stronger, ever more desirous of sinning less and less. So thank you for the word this morning. May we desire individually to put it into our spirits and to try to live it, not try, but allow you to live it, because our charge is your faith. Allow you to live it through us from this moment forward in an ever-increasing way. In your name I pray. Amen.